0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. This week's parsha is Parsha's Kedoshim. Comes from the word Kadosh. Let's let's take a look at the first passage. It says the following: By Hashem, Moshe Lamar, Hashem said speaking, Dabe el kol adasnei Gather the, gather the whole Klai Israel, speak to them, vamat and say to them, Kedoshim to you. You should be holy. Why should a person, why should a Jewish person be holy? Because I'm holy. Right? Okay. What does holiness mean? What does it mean you should be holy? Separation. What? Separation. Separation. Let's see what, let's see what it says. You're perfect. You got the right word. Says Rashi, she must alert Rashi, mm-hmm. have a purushim min to separate yourself from immoral relations. U mm-hmm. min and from doing She kol erva. Anytime you find a person separating or making offense against immorality, atam Then you will find holiness. Okay? So the question is like this, girls. Why why should I be holy? Because God says you should be holy because I'm holy. Does that make any sense? God is God. Of course he's holy. I'm just a human being. I should be holy because Hashem is holy? Hashem is holy because he's God. I, I, I'm, I'm a worm. Like, I'm off of I'm I'm nothing. So it's just... I have to be holy because Hashem is holy. I don't, I don't, I don't understand what that means. What, what is the Torah trying to tell me over here? Because I'm holy, says Hashem, so you have to be holy. But you're God, of course, you're holy. I'm not God. Okay. So the answer is as follows. I, I think what what the pasuk is telling us is to give us very big chizik to all of us. So we think, ah, what am I? Who am I? I'm just a person. I'm mean, a nobody, well some of us think like that, some of us think we're everybody, but some of us think like, "What am I? I'm just a person, what do you want from me? But Hashem is saying, no, you're not just a person, you're not just a person, because every person has a neshama, mimal, has a neshama that's part of God, an comes from God, how do you know that? How do you know that an comes from God? Not, no, well, not that Not that an neshama comes from God, an is part of God. What? Right. This was Hashem blew into into Adam. we we talked before the Shir, she's all prepared. No we, we, did we did it, we did it. Um so blew into part of him, into every single human being. So what Hashem is saying over here is you're holy. Girls, you're holy. Why are you holy? What makes you holy? It's because you have an Ashama that's part of Hashem, and Hashem is holy. It's sort of if you're a brain cell, if you're a cell in a person's brain, that means you're part of the brain. If you're if you're if you're a cell in a lung, a lung cell, not part of the brain, it's part of the lung. A heart cell is part of the heart. Because Boch was saying to all of us, Ki kadosh, why you holy? Ki ani hashem al- because I am kadosh, and you're me. You're I'm a, I'm a brain. And you're a brain cell, so you're part of the brain, so you're holy. It's it's a chizuk. To all of us. You're not gonna, you should be holy cause I'm holy cause you're a shaman, and I'm not. You're an angel. I'm not, I'm not an angel. I'm a person. It's just the opposite. Khrushchev is saying, no, you are godly. You are created in my image. You are godly. You are one. There's only one of you. Right? Just like there's a god. There's only one of God. There's only one of you. You're a crazy holiness. Problem is that people don't realize that they're part of a Baruch Hu. So the Torah is telling us, you have to be holy. But then the Pasuk, the next Pasuk seems to veer way off. Then it says, A person should fear, should be in awe, of his mother and father. And he should keep Shabbos. What's, what is this, how does this all connect? So, Mitzvah our book on Kivut on HaVeim is going to be coming out in Elul. We're almost finished. Um. And you see from here that ish avabi ema tiro right after Hashem says he's holy, the next thing he says is, you have to have kibbutz of aim, and you have to keep Shabbos. So the reason kibbutz of aim and Shabbos are together is to teach us that even though you have to have it of aim, but if your parents tell you not to keep Shabbos, you're not allowed to listen to them. So if your parents say, we're getting in the car on Shabbos, let's go, we're going to the movies, no, you don't have to, you could say no, I'm not, what do you mean, it of aim? No, there's no kibbutz of aim when he when when goes against the Tyra. But what, 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 these, these three things, right, Ishimah ve'avim tiro, which is kibud of aim. Shapseik um, say tishmar was keeping Shabbos, and then the pasuk says, "I am Hashem." So these, this is pretty much the, the first five of the source And Hashem right? I am Hashem, your God. The next pasuk says, "Al you shouldn't go to the, you shouldn't bow down to other gods. That's the second of the Ten Commandments. And then you have Shabbos, and then you have kibud of aim, right? And you see that, that of Aim, honoring your mother and your father, is right here in the Kadoshim to you, right after Kadoshim to you. It's so important because, we're going to talk a little bit about this tonight, because if you can't have a relationship with your parents, which is the first relationship you have in life, it's your first relationship. You're born as a baby. Your friends as a baby? No. You're an infant. You don't have friends. Right? What's your relationship? Your relationship is with your mother and father. So if that fails, that don't work. That doesn't go. Should have a piece of paper. I'll show you. I've shown this. I've shown this to you. Anyone have a piece of paper in them? Any chance? Anybody bring a notebook? Ah, notebook. Here we go. The rabbi's supposed to bring the notebook, but the Reviton brought it. Not my Reviton, The Reviton. Thank you. Okay. So very fascinating. I'll show you something. So, in relationships, relationships, there's something called, I think I've shown this to you before, but I'll show it to you again. There's something called the plus. What does that mean? Okay. So when you are born, when you grow up, so, you're on the bottom here. Give you a little here, some eyes, a smile. So here's you. I'm not really an artist as you can see, right? So here's you at the bottom. On top, is who's above you when you're a kid? <coughs> your parents, mommy, Tati, Hashem, right? Hashem is everywhere, and your teachers, right? You go to school, you have a teachers right? you're a little kid. so so we call this the vertical relationship. You're on the bottom and you have a vertical relationship. Your relationship with, with, is with everyone above you, God, parents, teacher, older brother, or whatever it is, okay? Now, this cannot, this is not, this is not it. Then you start to grow up, right? We'll make a plus. Not, we're not making a cross, we're making a plus. Okay? So now, here are you. With your smile, a your little here again. Okay? That's you, everybody. That's you. Right? And you start to have, not above you, you start to have relationships on your same level. Your friends in 5th grade, 6th grade, 7th, 8th grade, 9th grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. These are all your friends. People your age. So, it used to be your relationship with mommy, tati, Hashem, my teachers. But now, you start to become a teenager. Not even a teenager. You start to get older. You learn to have a horizontal relationship. This is your vertical relationship. This is your horizontal relationship. Can you get that on the camera? You can see it. Okay. Your horizontal relationship. The ultimate horizontal relationship is what? Your husband. Right here he's also smiling with the Luyamakan top okay so so this is you and this is him and together your experience and your relationship is a what what's that what did I just draw here a plus a plus a plus a plus a plus but what happens girls what happens if this relationship your vertical relationship doesn't work. And you don't get along with your parents. And you don't get along with Hashem. And you don't get along with your teachers. So you didn't experience the vertical relationship. You're trying to have only a horizontal relationship. My friends, my husband, it's a minus. It's no longer a plus. It doesn't work. And it doesn't work. And very important in him when you're going out with a boy is to know his relationship with his parents. Most important, his relationship with his mother. Because his first female relationship for a boy is his mother. And if that doesn't work, how does he know to have a healthy relationship with the next female, which is his wife? So it's very important to know if he doesn't get along with his mother, again, it's not a 100%. Could be, doesn't get along with his mother, it'll still be a good marriage, but the percentages are not good for you. So, it's important for a boy to know how the girl he's going out with gets along with her father, and it's important for a girl to know how the boy is getting along with his mother. Because that's his first relationship. If his vertical relationship doesn't work, how's he going to have the horizontal relationship? So, I find that, that kids who get, who have a very good relationship with their parents, make a very good friend. If they have a good relationship with their parents, then as a friend, they're going to have a good relationship. They're not going to hurt you. They're not going to stab you in the back. It's the ones that don't have healthy relationships, don't have the vertical healthy relationship, usually do not have such a healthy horizontal relationship. Okay? How we got to this subject, I have no idea, but um, that sounds when you're ADD. But that that's very very important. So it's important to have the kibbutz of And The way I got to the subject is that conduction to you. How do they go together? Because if you don't get along with your parents, how are you going to get along with Hashem? How are you going to get along with Hashem? You don't see Hashem. You don't talk to Hashem. I mean, you talk to him, but you don't really hear him, right? He doesn't burp you as a baby. He doesn't change your diapers. He doesn't feed you. You don't really see that. So, if I can't have a relationship with a being that I could see and that I could feel and that took care of me, and I don't like them and I have nothing to do with them, how are you going to have a relationship with Hashem? So the way, the way, The way Hashem worked this whole thing out is that the first relationship you have is with your parents. And then you have a karsatot. And then, once you have a karsatot, then you have a karsatot. This week's parasha. You have to love your friend as much as yourself. Now, what does the Torah tell you? That I should love my friend, right? My friend Chaim, I should love him as much as myself. What happens if I hate myself? So I don't like myself. I don't, I don't have a good picture of who I am. I don't like myself. I don't get along with myself. The Torah is saying that I should love my friend the way I love myself. So if I hate myself, the Torah is telling me I should hate my friend. Whatever your relationship is with yourself, that's the relationship you have with other people. So if I have a bad relationship with myself and I look down on myself and I'm depressed and, I'm, and i and I, and I don't think of myself, I, I think I, I'm a Russia, I'm a bad guy, I'm a bad person, I can't do anything, I'm a failure. So then you're gonna to have to look at your friend as a failure. Because the Torah is telling you, look at your friend the way you look at yourself. So very important is the Klaagadal the Torah. That's the Klaagadal in the Torah. You don't have to be Sneers. You don't have to keep Shabbos. You don't have to keep it of Aim. The Klaagadal the Torah. The main in the Torah is the Haftal Bechel Kamach. What does that mean? Goyim don't have friends that they like as much as themselves? It's a Jewish thing? What does it mean? So it means, first of all, some rabbis say re'acha zeh Hashem, who is your best friend, God. You should love God as much as you love love yourself. But Rabbi Biederman in our teshu'el says something amazing. He says, why doesn't it say have lechavercha, k'maycha? you should love as much as yourself. Why does it use the word re'acha? What's the she'eris of re'acha? Ra. Bad. have to you should love the person who's bad to you. Kiani Hashem. Because I am Hashem. What is it that you're telling you? If someone hurts you, don't be angry at them. Because I'm the one Hashem says that's behind it. I'm just using this person to hurt you because you're supposed to be hurt. You should love the bad as much as you love yourself. Why Kiani Hashem? Because he didn't do it. I did it. But the main point of Hafluricha is your best friend, who is your best friend? Best friend is yourself. And the problem with our generation is that we don't spend time with ourselves. We're busy on our phones, we're busy, buzzy, 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 buzzy. what's up, what's up, what about you're doing, and then, and then all this Mishu that people put online, I, you know, I'm getting dressed, I'm eating Frito-Beditos, I'm cooking, I'm going to the bathroom, um, here's my baby, here's my kid, here's my gun. what are you doing? What, what, what? A whole day long, you're showing everybody your life, but, but you don't yourself, leave you on, a, on an island by yourself, you have no idea who you, who you are. People don't spend time with themselves. Your best friend is you. There's no therapist in the world. There's no therapist in the world. I don't care how good they are. There's no rabbi in the world. There's nobody in the world that knows you better than yourself. Now, you may not want to know yourself, but a therapist who's talking to you and listening to you can't know you better than you know yourself. Your best friend in this world, outside of God, your best human friend in this world is you. There's no one in this world that can hurt you More than yourself. There's no one in this world that's better for you than yourself. There's nothing to talk about. The problem is that most of us don't have the time and don't want to know, get to know who we are. So we only know who we are by a reflection of what I am to you. That's not real. And that's why we're busy... On face of taking selfies, crazy, crazy thing. You're taking a picture of yourself, right? You you see it all day long. Wherever I walk, there's two girls making crazy faces, and they have the phone. Now they have this little thing you stretch out, take a picture of yourself. Isn't that sick? Think about it. You're taking a picture of yourself all day long, and you're making crazy faces with your friend. This face, that face. Selfies, thousands, thousands of selfies. Why don't you just look in the mirror? Why do you have to take a picture of yourself? You want to know what you look like? Look in the mirror. So, a whole day long, you're looking in the mirror, because you keep taking pictures of yourself. That's, a, that's that's, called a selfie, but that's not who you really are. And we are so selfish, we're so into ourselves, that a whole day long, in my day and age, you couldn't take a picture of yourself. And how did you take a picture of yourself? And if, when I was growing up, if a guy would be walking around with a camera, taking a picture of himself, they put him in a, in a, in a Michigan asylum. Like, what are you doing a whole day taking pictures of yourself, right? We took pictures of other people. We didn't take pictures of ourselves. But today, it's like how I look in the selfie. And then it takes 16 times to get to where you want to look, like how you want to look. Stand in front of the mirror and look at yourself in the morning. And before you go to sleep, look at yourself again. That's it, right? People don't want to know who they are. So there's no growth. You can't grow. And, you know, somebody told me that I was speaking to her. And I was like, I was putting on this subject. And she said, we're well, almost. you don't understand. I'm going to sit and I'm going to look at all the bad things that I do, I'm going to get even, I'm depressed as it is. I'm going to get even more depressed. You want me to go over at night before I go to sleep, all the stuff I messed up today? And I'm like, yeah. You know why? Because you're not supposed to get depressed from it. You're supposed to grow from it. If I know my mistake, if I know that I'm working on my temper, but today I lost my temper, so instead of getting depressed, oh my God, I lost my temper. You know what I mean? i got to go pop a couple of pills. i got to call somebody. i got to talk to them. It's not like, it's Kai Wallstein. You're working on your temper. Why did you lose your temper? What did she say to you that triggered you, that you didn't know was a trigger? She talked about my mother. She said something about my mother. Okay, so that really bothered you. Where did that come from? Kiver of the aim, or it came from a different place. If you work on yourself and spend five minutes before you go to sleep on yourself, instead of getting depressed when you messed up, you figure out what you did wrong, and you won't do it again. Otherwise, you're going to do it again. When people do this, make the same mistake, they fall into the same hole, over and over and over and over again, which is Mishigas, right, because you fell into the hole, don't walk there anymore, because they don't think about, why did I fall into the hole? Why didn't I walk around? Why can't I get into my head that there's a hole over there? I can't talk to this person, because this person leads me to do a virus, So I can't talk to this person. Every time I talk to this person, we talk about someone else. So you know what? I can't talk to this person. Instead of beating myself up, I'm losing Hara Talker, I'm a Russia. I'm a low life. I'm going to burn in Gehenna. No, that's not what Hashem wants. It's like, why did I? Why do I talk to Hashem about this girl? Am I jealous of her? Is it coming from a good place? Is it coming from a jealous place? Why am I jealous of her? Because she's married and I'm not. Why would I be jealous of her if if that's what Hashem wants? I have my own plan. She has her own plan. And you start. I meditate a lot. I don't meditate yoga like. Mm, no, I don't do that. I don't do that. I'm not, you know, I'm not from that religion where I'm a monk and I sit up in Himalayas and I'm like, "Mm," no, that's not, that's not meditation. I don't know what that is, but that's like humming to yourself. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Meditation in Jewish espoides is sitting there and thinking about my plan for tomorrow, what I accomplished today. There are days that I sit on my bed before I go to sleep and I'm like, I did not help one person today. I did not speak to one girl I did not give someone hope. I did not make someone smile. What was I so busy with? And how many phone calls didn't I return? And the next day, I'm a little bit more sensitive. And I see the person's number, and I'm very busy, and I answer it anyway. Why? Because the night before, I thought about, oh my gosh, I didn't help anyone today. So I don't want to have another day like that. That's the meditation that I'm talking about. That's the hispoyidus. Your best friend is you. And your worst enemy, Chas V'sholem, is you. Nobody can hurt you if you don't hurt yourself. If someone tells me something, and trust me, I get a lot of hurtful things a lot of time. But if 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 I'm good with myself, not a big shot, and I know where that's coming from. I just had a situation where someone spoke sick Lush and about me. Crazy bad stuff that came back to me from a girl that he spoke to. I was, I, the most hurtful things you can, you can, you understand what this person said about me. Okay, they said that I'm not a rabbi and I, and I shouldn't be dead, and I'm just a ball player, and that's all I am, just a basketball player. And I was like, I told the girl, you know, you think, you think, you just, you just tell me what this guy said about me, you think I'm upset. I'm I'm like, you don't understand that he said I'm a good basketball player. I am the greatest. I am the happiest guy. He couldn't have said anything better that I was a great basketball player. So I'm really happy, but very hurtful things. Very hurtful things. And I, this was my friend. This was a person that I was very close to. And after she told me this, which was lush and horror, so to say, but she was saying it for a reason, whatever, I walked away and I said, are you a basketball player? You were a basketball player. Do you try to help people? Do you try to learn Torah and go in the ways of Hashem? Do you try to give people chizik? hundred percent. So why is it, what do you care what he says about you? If you walk over to a plant and you call it a garbage pail, the plant, the plant's a plant. It doesn't care that you call it a garbage pail. If you know that you're a plant, you're not a garbage pail. If you're, if someone calls you names, but you are, every night you sit with yourself, And you're working on yourself and you're growing, you're not gonna, you're not gonna let it in. You're the one who lets in the hurt. (laughs) The Reah, you can love the bad. (laughs) When you have self. If you don't have self, anything someone says to you is gonna hurt. It's like, I used to have this big pimple on my nose. Don't look, it's not there anymore. I used to have this big pimple on my nose. And every time someone spoke to me, right, a girl would speak to me, I'm like, why is she looking at the pimple on my nose? Now, if you would have asked any person that spoke to me, you see that pimple on our walls, nose? Right? They would say, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? But to me, because I am new, I had the pimple on my nose, every time you looked at me, i might actually looking at my pimple on my nose. Right? So, no, I didn't get it removed from beauty because you have to be very careful. Anything today that you have growing in your face or in your skin that's not supposed to be there, you have to have it removed. You don't play with skin cancer, God forbid, at all. So, because anything in your body that you go to, you go to a dermatologist and if he says you need to get it removed, you get it, that's why I got it removed. I didn't get it removed because I want to be a movie star. too late. Too old for that. My beard's white. It's done. I'm not going to be a movie star. But yeah, so, so when you have something inside of you that you're not good with and that you didn't straighten out with yourself, then every time someone talks to you or looks at you, you're like, yeah, they don't like me. But it's not that they don't like you, it's that you don't like you. So automatically, I have no friends, nobody likes me. You know why? Because you don't like you. If you like you, people like you. If you don't like yourself, people don't like you. In 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 the times of Kairach, in the times of the Meraglim, so it says a very interesting passage. They came back, there's giants, people are dying, da-da-da. The Jews were like, cool. They're handling everything. All of a sudden, they said, we, in our own eyes, k'chagavim, we in our own eyes are grasshoppers, who and in the eyes of the giants, we're grasshoppers. How do you know that in the eyes of the giants, you're grasshoppers? They should have said, in the eyes of the giants, we're grasshoppers, so we feel like grasshoppers. That's not what they said. They said, we feel like grasshoppers, so therefore in the eyes of the giants, we're grasshoppers. Says the Mepharsham, and when they told Klaşel, they were the leaders, they were the, the heads. When they said, we feel like grasshoppers, then that's what we project. If you feel like a grasshopper, then people look at you and you project being a grasshopper, they think you're a grasshopper. If you walk in and you feel like a giant, then you're a giant. There are very short midget, short people that are giants. How could they be giants? They're four foot eight. And the answer is, in their own eyes, they're giants. They're gonna change the world. Therefore they're giants. And there are very big people who are midgets. I don't mean physically, I mean emotionally. They're teeny because they think of themselves as teeny. If you, I spoke in Great Neck the other night. If, if you feel great, then you will become great. If you feel small, then you're going to become small. If you think you can change the world, you will change the world. If you think you can't change the world, no matter what Hashem gave you, what talent He gave you, whatever it is, if you fa- feel you can't change the world, you won't change the world. The most important thing in a relationship is the kamoicha. It's where you're at. And if you don't like yourself, then you're going to come home and say, nobody likes me, ma. Ma needs to say, no, everyone likes you. Why do you feel that way? And the answer is, because you don't like yourself. In eating disorders, in anorexia, I deal with a lot of girls that have eating disorders, and they're 80 pounds. They look like skeletons, and they're... Wallstein, you see how much you see how fat I look? I'm like you look like you came out of the Holocaust girl. Well you don't you don't see it. You don't see it at Wall Street, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, look, look, I have right? What's going on? What's going on? Her perception of herself, her perception of herself is that she's fat. So she can be the skinniest girl in the world. Your perception is you're fat, you're fat. And you can be I'm just using and you can be the heaviest person in the world and if you think you're skinny, you're skinny. What do you mean I'm not skinny? You are skinny you'll walk around like a skinny person. You'll feel like you're skinny. Whatever that means. You think you're great, you're going to be great. You think you're small, you're going to be small. How do we know this? What did Rus tell Boaz? Rus told Boaz, because you called me BT, it's not this week's year, it's next week's year. Because you think so great of me, I promise you, I will not be a regular girl. She made that promise before, before anything happened to her. She said, I'm telling you, you think I'm great? I'm going to prove you right. And who did Rus become? The great-grandmother, just David Amelech, a Moshiach, the David, she said, I am not going to be a regular girl. What do you mean? You're a Nechriah, you're a Giyaris, you're a Moavi, you're a nobody. We don't even accept you into Yiddishkeit. But she was told by Boaz that she is great. And she is like his daughter. So guess what? She said, if that's what you think of me, that's what I'm going to grow up to be. It's the same thing with a parent. I was giving parenting, a parenting class. If you tell your kids they're great... They're going to grow up to be great. But if all day long that you tell them you're a loser and you're miserable and you're a failure, they will be a failure. Because if you think you're a failure, you're going to become a failure. And if you think you're great, you're going to become great. And and that's... There has to be a kamaycha. You can love your friend like yourself, but the, the best friend that you have is yourself. You have to work on that. And the way you work on that is by spending time with yourself. And if you're scared to spend time with yourself... Then you need to figure out why you're scared. What are you scared of? It's you. Your best friend is you. The one that loves you the most is you. And I'm not talking about Gaiva, I'm talking about you are the closest person to yourself. Physically, emotionally, you are spiritually, you are the closest person to yourself. Work on yourself! No, I'm gonna go to a therapist, let her tell me who I am. I'm gonna take medicine, I'll figure out who I am. Don't worry, Rabbi. I'll take a selfie. With my friend, we'll figure out who I am. You're not figuring out who you are. You figure out who you are compared to everybody else. It's not who you are. And this is not coming from Gaiva. This doesn't make you a big shot. Just the opposite. Moshe Rabbeinu, how can he be an Anav? Says there was no greater modest person than Moshe Rabbeinu. You think he didn't know his face was shining? He put a mask on. You think he didn't know that for forty days he was in Shemayim learning with God? You think you didn't know that he was the leader of Kleistro by the Ten Machas and splitting the Yamsuf? How could you say that Moshe Rabbeinu was the most modest person in the world? How could that be? And it says, there'll never be a more modest person. One second, Rabbi Wallace wants to be a bigger un-of than Moshe Rabbeinu. You're telling me that I can't? And the Torah says, there'll never be an- another person as, as big an un-of as Moshe Rabbeinu. So you're closing me off. You're telling Rabbi Wallstein, you're telling everybody, every Jew, no matter how hard you try, you will never be as modest as Moshe Rabbeinu. It doesn't say that anywhere, it doesn't say you, not, you're not going to be a Tamachacham, you're not going to be as rich, says you're never going to be as modest. How could you make that statement? He didn't know who he was. When a tzaddik walks in, when when someone gets called up for a bracha by the chuppah, a writer or Rosh Shiva, and the whole 800 people that are sitting there stand up, you think he doesn't know you stood up? You think he doesn't hear everybody moving their chairs and getting up? How can, he, how can he be modest? How can he be modest? Walks into a room, everybody stands up, I can be modest. And the halacha is that when a Rebbe walks in, you're supposed to stand up. So like you walk into a classroom, and everybody stands up, and like, like, if I walk into this room and all the girls in this room stand up, I don't know that you stood up? How am I going to walk around saying, I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing. Look at that, all the girls stood up for me. Wow. So how can you be modest when you get such covered? What? Because you're not standing up for me. You're not standing up for me. You're standing up because I'm teaching you Tyra. You're not standing up for me. You're, t- you're standing up for the Tyra. You're not standing up for Wallerstein because I walked in the room because I, I have a beard. Like what? Why are you standing up? You're standing up because he's my Rebbe. Oh, my Rebbe. It's not about Wallerstein. It's about what he's teaching. So you're standing up for the Tyra. Well, unless you have Meinu, if you go outside, you want to you really mess up a kid's head, you walk over to a little kid and you say, You see the sun? Yeah, I see the sun. Put your hand up and block the sun. So the kid puts his hand up and he blocks the sun. Wow, your hand is bigger than the sun. He's like, wow, you're right. My hand is bigger than the sun. The sun's 92,000 or 92 million miles in circumference. Your hand is four inches and he's covering the sun. Of course, the kid can't figure it out. You're going to make him crazy. So how, how could you cover the sun? Right, right. She's sitting right here smiling. I just covered her face. Now, if you put my hand on her face, I can't cover her face with my hand. I cover the whole back row. I can't cover the whole back row with my hand. Why? The further away you go, right? The bigger your hand is, but your hand's not getting any bigger. The the item that you're covering, the sun, because you're so far, becomes a small little thing in the sky. But as you get closer to the sun, what happens? You become smaller, teeny, teeny, teeny. You take a human being's hand and put it in the sun. It's it's a trillionth of the sun. It's nothing. Moshe Rabbeinu, nobody ever got closer to Hashem or could get closer to Hashem than Moshe Rabbeinu. He was in Shemayam for 40 days. And therefore, he felt smaller than any person because we're far from Hashem. He was so close that he realized he's a nobody. So the Torah is telling you because he was so close to Hashem and no one else can get that close to Hashem, he realized he's nothing. So Tzaddikim who are close to Hashem they're the biggest I love him because they realize how they're nothing when a tzaddik walks in and everybody stands up by a chuppah he's like "They're not standing up for me They're standing up because I represent the biggest Hashem who created the world so I'm nobody I'm, I'm not even a person they're not standing up for me I'm just a reflection a representation of the Torah that I'm teaching just the opposite they would never stand up for me if I wasn't a Rebbe or wasn't a Rav what makes me a Rub? makes me a Rebbe is the Torah that I teach so a person can be modest at the same time as knowing that they're great. What's your greatness? You're a cell of God. You're a piece of God. Wow. It's amazing. That makes you something very, very special. So what, what I really want to come out of tonight is that we need to spend some more time, and, and find out who you are. And yeah, I, 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 sometimes I look at myself, I don't like what I see. I don't like what I did that day. I'm not happy. Good. That's how you grow. That's how a person grows. It's a good thing. If You're always happy with everything you do. You don't realize that maybe you hurt somebody. Maybe you insulted somebody. That helps a person grow. And that's why you need to do three minutes, four minutes. This whole discussion started on this past Sunday. A girl came to me and she said, she's 25 years old. She's very upset that her davening has no more meaning. She was always to God and now she just has no, she davening because she knows she has supposed to. She has no feeling by davening. She lost all her feelings. I just read the words. I have no, right well, i saying, how do you get that back? That was her question. I said, what do you do before davening? She goes, I don't, do, I, I don't do anything before davening. I just, I just start davening. This is, by the way, I set this up perfectly that they should call me so that the camera's on me and I should show them that I have a, Flip phone. See everybody? Flip phone was ringing. Let me turn it off. Anyway, so so she came to me. This was her question. Right? What happens if a girl would ask you that question, girls? I dominate and I, I have no, I, 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 the words mean nothing to me. I used to be, I used to cry. I was such a good girl. I used to pray. Now I just pray because I have to, but I'm, how do I get it back? That was her question to me. So I asked her, what do you do before dominating? She said, nothing. I said, what do you do after dominating? She says, nothing. I said, do you know that for an hour of davening in the old days, they used to prepare two hours to daven for one hour. What was the preparation? What did they do? Mm, No. No, what did they do? What did they do for two hours? So this is very important. This is how I got to this whole subject. They said, if you don't have a relationship with Hashem, then it's just words. Let's say a guy has no relationship with his wife. It's their anniversary. right? He has to do something for the anniversary. So he goes to the store, CBS, and he buys a card, a Hallmark card. It says, Roses are red, violets are blue, I love you. Great poem, Hallmark, two ninety nine, 295. Comes home, says happy anniversary on it, with a little poem, and he gives his wife, Hi, happy this is for the anniversary, here you go. And she's all excited, and she opens the card, and it doesn't say Dear Esty, it doesn't say anything. It doesn't say love Zacharya, doesn't say anything. It just says the card from Walmart. I didn't write anything in it. Do I have a relationship with my wife? Is that a relationship? It's not a relationship. I did what I had to. I bought our card for two ninety five dollars from Walmart. Now it's interesting that in Shwana Esray, you're supposed to say your name. In you know, a Lokainit, so every person here has a posse. You're supposed to know your posse. Every name, my, my name is Zachary, it's and my second name is Shimon, and as a kid, I had to, they told you that when you come to Shemayim after 120 years, they ask you your name, you need to know your posse. I want to say something else. I want to say that the Shemayim that is like a card that you're giving Hashem. It has no meaning if you don't sign it. So in the of so, which is the end of Esray, you say your pastor. So after cut your holy, and everything you say to Hashem, at the end, you've got to sign your name. You buy, you buy your wife a car, you don't sign your name, what does it mean? The car's not from you. So at the end of Shemon when kind of Char, you're supposed to say your Passoc. In other words, everything I said till now, I love you, say, Zachariah, Shimon," And maybe that's why you're supposed to say your name at the end of Shimon Now, what do they do before dominating? Before dominating, they talk to Hashem in Machshab, however they did it, to have a relationship. So, if I, have a relationship with Hashem and then I say you are holy it has meaning. I love you. We have a relationship. You're God. I'm Zachai Wallstein. We talk. Sometimes I yell at you. Right, you can't yell at Hashem. You're not allowed to yell at Hashem. Are you allowed to yell at Hashem? Anyone here know? You allowed to yell at Hashem? <gasps> are you allowed to curse Hashem? You allowed to curse your parents? Never allowed to curse you. Chai Misa if you curse Hashem. You also chai Misa if you curse your parents. You know that. So you're not allowed to... But I said to this girl, I said, I want you to go home. This girl who has no meaning in her tila I said, I want you to go home tonight. And I want you to sit at the edge of your bed with no one in your room. And I want you to talk to Hashem for three minutes. Like if your father would say to you, Shefala, I want you to tell me all your pain and all your happiness and all your dreams, I'm your father, tell me how you're doing. Whatever you would tell your father is what you need to tell Hashem. And you may tell your father, I am having the most miserable life, and I don't understand why you're not helping me get a job, and why you're not ready me, Shadduchim, you're my father, and said, if that's how you feel, and that's what you need to tell God. I had a terrible situation that happened a few weeks ago, um, a girl that I knew who I actually knew five years ago um, I got a phone call that her Leviah I got a phone call at 9 o'clock in the morning I hadn't spoken to her in a while that her Leviah was at 11 o'clock um, she jumped off a building on the 6th floor so that was a, a very special girl that I knew was a beautiful girl inside and outside it was very shocking it was very hard to hear and to go to of a young girl, and listen to her grandfather with a long beard get up and talk to the coffin and say, I tried to tell you I loved you. I'm sorry that you never understood that. And, and just the whole place was, and I'm watching this. And then they take her, the body out, the coffin, and I'm sorry if I'm telling you this, but you to understand. And And it was a crazy scene. The mother was screaming, whatever. It was, a, I never saw anything. I've seen a lot of pain. I never saw pain like that. And I'm a Cohen, so I couldn't be next to the hearse and I couldn't be inside. And I turned around and I just looked up to Shemayim and I said, you can't do this Hashem. You cannot let this happen anymore. You need to help me with my ranch. You need to help what I'm doing. You This has to stop. These are your children. She's not supposed to be in Shemayim. She's supposed to be a mommy and a, and a wife. This is crazy. And I started screaming at him. Do you have a right to scream at him? So Moshe HaBeinu, I'm not Moshe HaBeinu, Moshe HaBeinu, when Hashem said, I'm going to destroy Klai Israel, said, if you destroy Klai Yisrael, <laughs> I'm out. You have no Shemos, you have no Vayikra, you have no Bambeid, but you have no Devarm. Because there's no Moshe HaBeinu, there's no Yitzhi, there's nothing, he's out. So he threatened Hashem. If you destroy Klai Israel." I am out, you have no chumish. Now that's pretty big. Chutz, you threatening God? Like, I'm out of your book? And the answer is, what did Hashem say? You said good, Hashem. I forgive them. He said to Hashem, if you kill Yisrael, you know what everyone in the world is gonna say? That you took them out of Mitsriam, that you're evil and you're mean, and you didn't take them out of its triumph to save them, you took them out of its trying to kill them in the midbar. You're a you're a mean, evil god. That's what's gonna happen, Moshe will said, God, if you don't if you don't save them. Hashem said the You're saying good. You're right, they don't deserve to be saved, but I don't want to be bad mouthed. Isn't that chutzpah? But when it comes to saving his children, and that's why you're yelling, that's what he wants to hear. Did you care about his, another Jew, more or as much for sure as a Kurdish Rachli Meinu, when Kleisro was being destroyed and, based on was being destroyed in, in Medrash Echa, came to Hashem, went to Machutzpah. Rachli Meinu came to Hashem, got up, went to God and said, I don't understand. I wasn't jealous. I'm a human being. And I wasn't jealous of my sister. I gave her the simonim. I was under the bed. it says I was under the bed. When Yaakov spoke to Leah in the bed, I was under the bed answering so he wouldn't know that it was my sister. That's how not jealous I was of my sister. And you're God, and you're angry at the Jews because you're jealous because they made some of zorah made out of wood and, and some stone. That's why you're doing this to them? I wasn't jealous of my sister. And you're God. You're not even like me. I'm a human being. You're not even as great as I am. That's what she said to Hashem. You know what Hashem said? Rachi is the only one I'm going to listen to. I won't destroy them. So when you get angry because the Jews are being hurt, Hashem's children are being hurt, that's what he wants. He wants you to have a relationship with him like you'd have a relationship with your father. No, you can't curse your father. And you have to have deracharats. You have to talk with Derech Heretz. You can't cross Hashem. You have to talk with Derech Heretz. But he wants to hear your pain. And if you feel you want a shidduch, there's a lot of schoolers, but the biggest school is training to a kosh baruchu at the edge of your bed and say, Ta, Ta, Hashem, you're my father. You've got to be ready to be more shidduchim. This is not working. And if you're my father, that's what he wants to hear. He doesn't want to be this thing that... So when he's a thing, and he's a car, yeah, when you dive and you have no relationship. So the the of the the hour that they spent before da'afning was developing their relationship with the Keresh Baruch Hu so that the words that they said had meaning. Otherwise, the words have no meaning. So I told her, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know the end of the story. I told her that every night, that was Sunday night, till Matzah Shabbos, I wanted to spend three minutes before she goes to sleep talking to Hashem. Just tell him what you want. If you're angry, tell him you're angry. If you're happy, tell him you're angry. Make sure you thank him for what you got. Talk to him like you would talk to your father, with respect, because you have to have respect for Kibut HaVeim. Kibut HaVeim, and next Hashem, like Hashem, they're right next to each other. And Hashem understands that you're in pain, and Hashem understands that you're a human being, and Hashem understands that you're having a struggle. But if you don't talk to him, then the card that, the davening that you're sending him, the card you're sending him, doesn't say, Dear Hashem, love Esti. Love Miriam. It's just, here's your card, Hashem. This is what I bought. This is my sitter. There's no meaning. So there has to be a two or three minute hachana before you in. Of, of, developing a relationship. Then when you start, when you make a bracha, right? Tonight on my way here, I had blueberries. I love blueberries. Right? So, I made a bracha by pre Aids. When I said bracha to Hashem, right? My bracha wasn't like, thank you, you, Hashem, you should be blessed. You love me so much, you made me blueberries. You could have just made apples. You didn't have to make blueberries and all the other fruit that you made, and all the other colors that you made. So I have a relationship. So if I'm, if I'm thanking my wife for supper, and I love her, and have a relationship with her, then when I say thank you for supper, there's a lot more in that than when I go to a restaurant and I tell the waiter, thank you. That's that's a statement, thank you. Or the chef, the food is really good, thank you. It's not a relationship. That's thanking him for supper. But if I have a relationship with my wife and she made me supper, and it's not even... The supper that I got in the restaurant, but she made me pizza. Whatever she made, it doesn't make a difference. Spaghetti, but I love her and she loves me and have a relationship with her. She's, Thank you for the spaghetti. It was amazing. Spaghetti is amazing. How amazing could spaghetti be? Because you made it. It's actually, like you made the spaghetti for me, so it's just spaghetti. It's not right, but it's amazing. Hashem, you made the blueberries just for me. That's amazing. Wait, Priates, you made these flowers just for me. Boy, I so if you have a relationship, the bracha has a different meaning. The tefillah has a different meaning. But if you don't have a relationship, you're right, it has no meaning. You're right. She's 100% right, it has no meaning, because you don't have a relationship. So that before davening and, after davening and after davening, or before davening, for sure, there has to be some type of relationship. So if you don't have the time to do that, and you're busy, and you're davening, mincha, on the train, or whatever, I see girls davening in the weirdest places, in the telephone booth, now there's no telephone booth, so now they have no place to, you know... Superman doesn't have a place to change and goes don't have a place to not minchah because there's no more telephone booths. Okay, but if you don't have so then at least spend the time before you go to sleep at night. Spend time with yourself. <coughs> the tzelem alokim that we all have is that we're one. The tzelem alokim, the image of God, right? Tzelem comes from the word tzele, comes from the word shadow. How do you shadow God? You don't look like God. You're not as big as God. How do you shadow God, Right? If my phone has a shadow, it's going to be the shape of my phone. A square can't have a, a round shadow, and a circle can't have a square shadow. A shadow can only be a shadow of the actual. So when it says that we're created, it's king, What does that mean? You're you're a shadow of God. You're not a shadow of God. The answer is Hashem Echad. God is one. Each one of us is Echad. Animals run in herds. Fish in schools. Schools of fish. Humans. Every person has a different fingerprint every person has a different personality and it's crazy a proof of god is that everyone has the same features one nose two eyes two ears most of us right a mouth and there are 20 billion i don't know how many billions of people are in the world that we all look different he took the same nose same eyes and every single person looks different why because we have an, we're we're an individual and that is the Telemolokin. that is what makes us special so if being an individual is what makes me special then I get to I gotta get to know that individual who's special. And that's me. And the pastor here in this week's parasha says, You are kadosh." You know why? Because I am kadosh, and you are me. And you are part of me. Wow. You should walk out of here tonight. Dancing. You know who I am? Rabbi Wallace said, You know who I am? I'm holy. What do you mean you're holy? That's right. I'm part of a shem. I'm a brain cell. So I'm part of the brain. I'm Hashem's cell. I'm part of Hashem. Wow. That's how you have to walk out. Not depressed and angry and popping pills for anxiety and all that that comes from not knowing who you are. So I'm anxious when I'm with other people. I'm anxious. How are they looking at me? Oh, they're looking at me. The pimple on the nose. Oh, they're not happy with me. And you're very busy with everybody else's picture, my selfie, and all that instead of me. If I'm happy with me, I'm not saying there's other things to anxiety, but... You're much less anxious if you're good with yourself than if you're not good with yourself. You're scared about everything. Everything. Everyone's looking at Okay. I want to end. It's late. Sorry that I, sta- I started late. Um, something that happened today in seminary I think is very important. Just five minutes to talk about. So I went through seminary today. I went through seminary today and I asked the girls what they're doing next year. So I came to this one girl. And I said, "What are you doing next year?" Because I'm going to a real college. <laughs> but we have in the seminary we have college, right, credits no, I'm not, I'm going to a real college, I'm like, what's a real college, you know, not online none of that stuff, I'm going to a real college I'm like, is it co-ed, yeah, it's co-ed it's out in Jersey, whatever it is, it's co-ed I'm like, do you know the dangers of going to a co-ed of going to college altogether she goes, what do you mean I'm in I'm a terrace now, I came to seminary so that I could go to, I I'll be from no matter where you put me. I'm like, let me tell you something. You can put on all the perfume and all the great deodorant you want. If I put you in a fish store for a week, you're going to smell like fish. I don't care how much perfume you put on. You're going to smell like fish. I came home one day and my wife's like, what's going on? I'm like, what happened? She goes, you smell from perfume. And it's not my perfume. (laughs) And I was like, um... I was like, well, today... It's a true story. I said I went to Bloomingdale's. They had a sale on suits, but the Bloomingdale's in Manhattan, I don't know, in the first floor. Before you go anywhere, when you walk in, it's all perfume, and everyone's spraying a little bit. You know, they're testing and they have testers. I didn't. I promise you, I didn't put on any perfume. But I walked through there, right? I did. I did walk through. Then there were some jewelry counters. I was looking a little bit. So yeah, if you're going to walk through the perfume in Bloomingdale's, you're going to come home smelling from perfume, right? Did I put on perfume? Did I buy perfume? No. If you're going to go to college, college today, the non-Jewish colleges, right? I'll tell you something. Whatever, I don't want to talk Russian. Jewish colleges, but the non-Jewish, the non-Jewish colleges, um, are the the place where um, the hotbeds they're called the hotbeds of anti-Semitism that that the Israelis are Nazis and what they're doing to the Palestinians. So they're very colleges are very liberal. They're very pro. Palestinians, pro-abortion, pro-everything that we stand against. And that's that's where it's taught, because college is liberal. Now, when you go into such a place, even though you're strong and you're firm, I go to Queens College, I go to Brooklyn College, I'll tell you a story that happened at Brooklyn College, whatever, so, so it's not going to affect me. No, it's going to affect you because colleges, that's what they're teaching, and that's what they stand for. And the biggest anti-Jew Right? Pro-Palestinian spoken here in Brooklyn College on the Shabbos. The place was was packed. Right? And they let him speak. Right? Against against Israelis, against everybody. And it's Brooklyn College. So, I told her that there was a story in Brooklyn College that I had a few years ago with these four base girls. And I've said this story before. They took a class called religion because they figured it's like taking the Hebrew regions. What's the most easiest for a Jew? will take religion. The problem was that the professor was a Jew hater. He was a Jew that hates Jews, which is the worst. And he, his whole class, at the end, you have to write a paper. His whole passing or failing of his class was this paper that you had to write. What was the subject of the paper, girls? The subject of the paper was to go to two other religions, places of prayer, and write the differences between your religion's prayer and their prayer. That's his paper, knowing that we can't do that. We can't go to a church. But he knew that. Now, right away, these four from girls in Brooklyn College went up to the front and said, for religious reasons, we can't do that. Yay. Of course, all the rest of them, all the guys that were in the class, they're like, oh, the Jews are trying to get away with paper, right? So he looks at the, he knew this. He says, no problem. I want you to write a paper on why the Jewish religion doesn't allow you to go to other people's places of prayer. Now these four girls have no idea why you're not allowed to. They know you're not allowed to go to a church. So they came to me, could I help them write the paper? What's the halakha? What's the shokhanah? We don't know why. Why can't you? They're like, why can't you? Right? So there's different halakhas because a mosque is not really, a way there's no idols. Right? So a mosque really you could go into. You really could go into a mosque. It's just carpet. There's nothing there. But a church, because there's a there's a telem, there's a cross with someone on it so that's considered our way Buddhism is an idol um, Hinduism is cows that's all desire you can't you can't go to any of those places to prayer a mosque is not really it's just a room with carpet so an Allah is God so they it's it's not halacha it's probably not way you probably couldn't go there you know now they got to write this crazy paper to this guy. but what happened was way before that happened the 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 the, the Muslims and the Christians and the atheists, whatever was in that class, went over to them and said, how come, how come we can go to your, we have, the, our religion doesn't say we can't go into your temple, and you can't go into our temple. You know why? Because your rabbis are scared. If you watch us pray, you're going to realize that you don't have the truth. So now it became a whole thing. And they're like, if you don't, have, if you, if someone asks you a question, let me tell you girls something. At the workplace or in college or anyone else. If someone asks you a question about Judaism, and you don't know the answer, it becomes your question. Sorry to say that. So when they didn't know how to answer that, and they were saying like, "Whoa, what's the problem? I'll come to your temple on, on, on any time you want." My priest is not worried that I'm going to become a Jew. Why are your rabbis so worried that you can't go anywhere? Ah, oh, because they, they, they don't want you to see the truth. And these four girls are saying, oh, "We're going to talk to our all and so we'll get back to you." So they had doubts. And those doubts no matter how much you learn. So you know what I said today in class? And and it was a shocker to me? I said, girls, these are all girls that went through the whole system. I said, Girls, you're in this real college in New Jersey, not like our college, but a real college. And a guy walks over to you and says, How come Jewish girls can't marry non Jewish men? How come you can't marry out of your religion. What's your answer? So the girl said, well, because that's our environment and we want our children." No, no, the guy says, listen, I'm a good guy. I'm an atheist. I'm not bringing you to church. I'm, I don't believe in anything. I want to marry you and you can keep all your religion and the children can go to yeshiva. I love you. I'm not going to bother you. You want to make Hanukkah and menorah no problem. I love you. I'm a good person, never hurt anybody. What's wrong with me? What are you rabbis telling you? Why can't you marry me? What am I, an animal? I'm a bug. I'm worse than you. Is something wrong with me? Why can't you marry me? I'm not going to distribute. You. you can have your religion. Now, the other way, if it's a guy, I can answer very easy. Because in the Jewish religion, if I'm married to a non Jewish woman, my children aren't Jewish. I want my children to be Jewish. So, perfect. You have an answer. But a girl doesn't have an answer, because your child's Jewish. So I said, I want to know, in this real college, nice guy comes over to you, or a whole group of Hebra come over to you, and they're like, why can't, why can't you, why, why, why does you, what's, why do you have this law that you can't marry outside your religion? I'll, I respect you, you can, you can send your kids to Yeshiva. I'm not going to keep anything, so what? I have a class in seminary, they don't have an answer. You don't have an answer? Why you can't marry a guy? You don't know why you can't marry a guy? What are you gonna tell them? Because we're better than you? They'll stone you. And that's not the reason you can't marry a guy. We're not better than them. We're different. We're different. Water and oil is different. You don't drink oil, and you don't put water on your salad. But they're both liquids. So yes, you are human, and I am human. Water's a liquid, and oil's a liquid. But oil's for the salad, and water's to drink. You don't drink oil, and you don't put water on your salad. I mean, you wash it, but you don't put, you don't, that's not the dressing. But you think you're going to be happy with that answer? That's not the answer. That's not the answer. The answer is, anyone here know the answer? Yeah, he
1: might you, not going to influence
0: you. I'm not influencing you. I'm behind you all the way. your kids following they're going to marry I'm not preaching. Okay, so... So that's the reason? you think that's the reason you can't marry? Yeah, wrong, totally wrong totally wrong, I don't know what school you went to nothing personal, because no, no one else in this room knows the answer totally wrong totally wrong he's going to tell you you know what, in five years from now I'm going I'm to become a Jew and we're going to bring up the children Jewish, but right now I'm not Jewish you can't marry him Anyone here know? How many girls are in this? Fifty girls, and you all went through the yeshiva, and you're in this real college, and they're asking you a question: Why? What is wrong with me? What do you Rabbi, say is wrong? What is wrong with me that you can't marry me? I'm not just. Dist- I'm an. I'm, I'm. I'm. not. i taking my kids to church. I'm not doing anything. I like what you do. I, I'm not becoming a Jew, but I like what you guys do. You know what? I'll. I'll also like the menorah. I like matzah. shocker, no? You went through the system you don't know why you can't marry a guy? The number most important thing in the world as girls, you're not allowed to marry a guy? You don't know why! And you're going to go to college with all of them and they're going to ask you these questions and you're not going to know the answer. And it's going to become your question. Why can't I marry a non-Jew? Because the Torah says, Lo bam. It's a mitzvah, a lav in the Torah. You're not allowed to marry them. And it says you will come to Canaan and they will want to marry your daughters and they will want to marry your sons. but You can't marry them. But they can marry you. Why could the Christian who believes in the Testament, the Old Testament, why is he allowed to marry outside of his religion? Because it says, But we're Jews, are not allowed to marry them. It doesn't say they're not allowed to marry us. So they don't have a problem marrying us. Muslims, Muslim men are allowed to marry, not Muslim women. Muslim women, they'll chop their heads off they marry a non-Muslim man. So, so the Torah says, it's allowed in the Torah. In the 613 mitzvahs, you're not allowed to wear bum. There's a posture that the Torah says, not because they're going to not keep the religion, and the kids are going to go off to the derech. There's no theory. The Torah says, you're not allowed to marry. Them. Now, yeah, but you're not allowed because of you don't know why? It doesn't say because. doesn't say why. doesn't say why. Yes, there's not a, does, 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 oh, so now, now comes the next question everybody. Now comes the next question. Why? It's very late. I'm going to give you the answer. Why? So now they're going to say, okay, the Bible says no. The Bible says you can't eat pork either. Why can't you eat pork? Why is it not comfortable? you like, eat a cow. Why can't you eat a pork? Stop with the reasons. They're not going to help you. So you're going to say the reason, you're going to say the reason pork is to have tapeworm. I had this worm that if you ate it, it, went into your stomach. But now, by now, yeah, but who cares about hooves? What is, what, why? You're right. The halacha is, it has to have hooves and chews and cut. Why? Why can't it eat shrimp? What did he do with it? Shrimp didn't have arum? Like what? Lobster didn't have uh, That's not why. That's not why. Because Hashem said, you can't eat pork. Once you start giving reasons, I'll blow away the reasons and you're going to be in trouble. So now, wait, we're not finished. So now, so now this person says, okay, I hear you, I hear you. The Bible says you're not allowed to. Why? Why would the Bible say that? Okay, so here's my answer and I'll leave you with this. It's a very important answer you need to know for your life and therefore you shouldn't go to a college that's a real college because at the end of the day you don't have the answers. You don't even know why you're not allowed to marry a guy. And you're going to go into a hotbed where they're talking about homosexuality, abortion, and all everything else, and you have no idea what you're talking about. And you're going to say the wrong answers, and you're going to get some people very upset, and they're not even the right answers. So why are you going there? Because it's real? It's not real. It's not more real. We have girls that came from our school that got into Harvard because we're we're connected to Bellevue in Nebraska. And when you get your degree from from Bellevue, they don't know you're in Brooklyn and Flatbush. As far as they're concerned, you're in Nebraska. In a school of six and a half thousand students. That little school in Jersey she wants to go to has maybe 500 students. So, no. the Real college is getting your degree so that you can do what you have to do. Doesn't mean you have to go to a place where there are only gayim and there's no Jews. Okay, but anyway, I want, I want to get to your answer, and this is very important, and we'll close with this, because you have to be very careful. Be very careful. You can't make, you can't make a person think, like the Jews think that we're special and you're garbage and we can't marry because of that. They don't buy that. It's it's no, it's and that's not the reason. That's not the reason. The Now, let me tell you a story that happens and we'll, we'll finish with this so you have an understanding. And, and and every mitzvah, and everything that we do. So I love cars and I've told you this story. I love cars, I love fast cars. I'm very into fast cars. That's my Yetzahara. My Yet is zero to 16 in 3.2 seconds, top speed of one hundred sixty miles an hour, tires like this, I'm good. That's what I want. And, and the guy who, who leased me the car, the STS V, said to me, I can give you the STS without the V for $400 less a month. What do you need the V for? The V is this crazy engine that you can go 160 miles an hour. A plane takes off at 175, right? So, like, you're not going 160 miles an hour down Ocean Parkway because they're going to put you in jail. And you're not and you're not going zero to 60 on, on Nostrand Avenue, right? Because you're also going to get, right, those new cameras. You're, you're dead, right? So he said to me, Rabbi, like, what are you going to do with this car? I said, you have to understand my my psychology is, you're right, I'm not doing 0 to 63.2, I'm not doing 160 miles an hour, but I need to know that if I want to, I got the car that can do it. That's my psychology. That's my psychology. I am potential, 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 potential. I'm a guy, I I love potential. My car has the potential to do 160? Then it doesn't have to do 160. But if it has the potential of only doing 80, I don't like it. So I'm into fast cars. And I know a little bit about cars. Anyway... I get this 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 STSV, I'm, I got my car, I'm going up to the mountains, right, in the summer. It's like my dream, because there's a hill in the mountains at 115, right, where you can't do more than like 60 miles an hour, it's like this. But this baby can do 110 going up that hill. So like, everyone's going to be driving, and Walt's going like, yeah, right? It's my thing, it's what I like, okay? They're the worst worst states is it's not the end of the world. Anyway... I come to the gas station. My lights, oil lights on. Gas station on Avenue I in Nostrum. It's not there anymore. They took it down. They built the apartment buildings. But anyway, so I pull in there, and I got to get oil. I got to get oil. But I don't know what oil to get. So I go to the guy, Pakistani in the glass thing, whatever it is. And I'm like, I need six quarts of oil for my car. What do you got? He says, I have six. I'm not going to make fun. Okay, I'm not doing accents, <laughs> right? So I have some... Very good Talmudan that are Pakistani, so I don't want to get into trouble. They listen to my sheer anyway. Yeah, I'm serious. I'm serious. You you never went into an Uber and the guy was listening to my shear? Oh, okay, I don't know. Anyway, so so he says, I have six kinds of a red bottle, a black bottle, a gold bottle, a silver bottle. I'm like, how much do they cost? Three dollars, three fifty, four fifty, three and then the last bottle is twelve dollars a bottle. Black with gold. I'm like, What's that? He goes, That is synthetic oil there's oil that comes from the ground, and then there's synthetic oil made by man. And I'm giving you a little lesson, in fast cars, the engine's high velocity, it burns regular, well you have to use, synthet- it uses synthetic oil normally. Race cars use synthetic oil. So I'm like, my car is a race car. I got that kind of engine. Okay, how much is it? $12 a bottle? Give me six bottles. He puts it through, you know that metal thing? They have a glass, he puts them in the metal thing, he puts this thing out. You get a tap on my shoulder. I turn around this tall black man standing behind me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> he says to me, you Jewish man? I'm wearing a yarmulke. I'm like, yeah, I'm Jewish. He goes, hey man, you rabbi? I'm like, yeah. Like, how does he know I'm a rabbi, right? He sa- I say, yeah. He says, ain't it true that rabbis are smart? I'm like, most of us. <laughs> he says, man, you got a babes over there. He's talking about my car. He's like, you got you got the V. You got the V. Everyone knows the V in the back It's like. You got the V. I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's what. We're, that's that's what we're talking about. Yeah, that's my V. He goes. Why are you guessing, man? Why are you guessing? Why don't you just open your glove compartment and take out the manual? The manual will tell you what kind of oil you need. I was so embarrassed. Of course, what are you guessing? You're sugar to Every manual, you go, to, you go to the back, you look at oil, you go to the page, it tells you what oil to buy. I'm figuring, right? This is a true story. I'm like, hey, five, man, thank you. We slapped five, you know, thank you. I'm like, he's looking at me like, you're, you're supposed to be smart. Like, what are you stupid like? like? Okay, I sort of crawl back to my car. I open the glove compartment. I take out my manual. Of course, it's a, It's cat. STS is a Cadillac made by General Motors. So I take out the manual. I go to the back. It says oil, page 63A. I go to 63A. And on top of the page is a box, black box. And it says, hazard, do not use synthetic oil, can cause combustion explosion of engine. I promise a true story. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to turn around, he's going to be gone. It's going to be a malach. It was a malach, Hashem sent me a malach, right? No, I turned around, he was still there. But anyway. (laughs) It says, use... W thirty five M oil. That's what you use. It was one of the cheaper oils, like four fifty five dollars. I went back. I said to the guy in the back, "No wrong oil. I'm not blowing up my car and have six hundred and fifty horses running with a six hundred and fifty horsepower, whatever." I'm like, "I'll take the other one." And I told this guy, "Thank you." And he looked at me like there was really something mentally wrong with me, like, like, <laughs> well, you like, didn't why, put it in here. what. No. No, they don't put in the oil. I had to put in the oil. Oh. No, you put in the oil. It's not. It's not a. It's like a gas station where you buy the the the, the any, anything you need. Power steering fluid, coolant. You got to put it. in. No, I didn't put it. Was, I left it when he told me that. I left it on the on the on the metal thing over there. For about. Uh, I get into the car. Thank Hashem, thank you, because I, it's not good for your your engine to blow. Usually, the engine blows up, you you're dead. So uh, thank God, Hashem saved me that that guy was behind me. I was going to put that. Oh, what? Stupid. I didn't look at the manual. Right. I'm driving up to the mountains. I'm like. Nothing happens for nothing. Hashem was talking to me. He's like, I gave you a manual. I didn't tell you, be Jewish, and you guess what it means. I have a glove compartment. It's called an Arun HaKodesh. And in the glove compartment is a manual. And therefore, that manual tells you how to keep your engine running and what you could put in your engine and what you can't put in your engine. And therefore, you have an Eshamah. Now, Girls, if I came here tonight and told you, I opened the manual, I read the warning and said, what do they know what they're talking about? I'm going to put in synthetic oil. It's the most expensive and my car is very expensive. And then I told you, my car blew up. You would say, I'm not coming to your share anymore. There is something (laughs) mentally wrong with you. (laughs) Who wrote the manual? GM. Who made my car? GM. GM knows. Because they made the car what I need to put into my car. Now, if I'm a wise guy, i might know no. I'm going to take a Mercedes manual. Mercedes costs more than my car. I'm going to take a BMW manual. And whatever it says in there, that's what I'm going to put in my car. My car don't work. Because the spark plugs in a BMW and are different than mine. What do you mean? But they're more expensive, right? And the answer is, that's why Jews can never become Goyim. Because we have a certain engine and God wrote the manual for that engine. And for the other cars, the non-Jewish people, he gave them seven mitzvahs. They also have a manual. What they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. We have a different manual. So therefore, you can't decide what makes you a good Jew. I'm a good Jew. I give. I, I love Israel. I treat children correctly. I give tzedakah. But I eat chazer. But I'm still a good Jew. No, you're not. Because the manual says, chazer will make your neshama explode. So you can't eat Chazor. Even though, what do you mean? What's wrong with it? So when the Torah says that my manual that God gave me for my soul, right? I'm not telling you I'm a better car than you. You could be a Mercedes non-Jew. You could be even better than me. But what's good for you is not good for me. What's good for a Mercedes engine is not good for my engine. My car right now that I have outside needs gasoline ultimate. It has to be 93 octane. If I use 87 octane, my car will go boop, 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 boop. But my daughter's car only needs 87 octane. It drives perfectly because it's not the same car. It's a much cheaper car, and the engine is much cheaper. It doesn't need the same. Does that mean that her car is not a car? Of course it's a car. It's a different car. So yes, non-Jewish person, you are a human being, and you are special, and you might even be more special than me. But my engine and your engine are different. And my engine, God didn't say, figure it out. Guess what you should put in it? He said, I have 613 rules in my manual. And I am GM, and I created you, so therefore I know what's good for you. You, you can't decide, I want to do what I want because it's more expensive, or what I like. And therefore, my manual says I cannot marry you. And therefore, I cannot marry you. We're both liquid. One of us is oil, and one of us is water, or orange juice, or whatever you want to call it. And orange juice is great, but it's not oil. And oil's great. It's not water. We're different. We're not better than you. Because if you start saying you're better than them, and you're not. We have, a, we, have a, we have a certain thing. We have the neshama of the world. They have other parts of the world. And and therefore, you don't want to get into this. When you go to these places, and the place of work, you don't want to get into this. Because if you don't know the answer, then you're just going to insult these people. And we don't want to insult the people. And we don't want to make a solution. So that's why you're not allowed to marry. You know why? Not because of kids, all that stuff because Hashem gave me a manual and said, it doesn't work for you. It doesn't work. Marrying a guy, it's not going to work. Now you're going to say, but I know people that marry non-Jews, and they seem to be okay. When they go back to Shema after 120 years, that engine is far from okay. It might look like, okay, yeah, and you know what? Maybe if I, just, if I put the wrong oil in my car and I just drove locally, my engine would not blow up. I could get away with it but my engine's not going to be good. I have a car right now that's supposed to change the oil every 5,000 miles. Any girl that has a car here, you you need to know that, that every single car you're supposed to change the oil every 5,000 miles. And if you don't, you're hurting your engine. Now, does that mean that if you don't change your oil after 5,000 miles, your car is going to collapse while you're driving? No. But after 25,000 or 30,000 miles, your, your engine will be gone. So, you don't see the reaction of what you're doing wrong right away. So, yes, you will see people married to Jews, Jewish women, married to non-Jewish men, and everything seems to be all right, Rabbi. So, what are you talking about? No. The engine that we're talking about is a spiritual engine, not a physical engine. And that engine, in the next world, you blew up. It's not in a good place. And therefore, you have to be very careful. But the answer is, to all those questions, why you can't eat pig, why you can't wear shot there's a million questions in here. The answer is, the God who created me is, my, is GM, and he wrote a manual. He didn't say, go figure it out. And he said, this is my manual, and if you have any questions, this is where you look. And part of that manual says, lois is chat Bum, can't marry you because it's not good for my soul. End of discussion. You're a great person. You're a great guy. You should marry somebody. You know, GM cars and GM parts. Mercedes cars, I'm Mercedes parts, And that's it. I was shocked today, and I'm not shocked tonight anymore, that you could ask girls and probably boys who went through the yeshiva system why you're not allowed to intermarry and they're coming up with Hanukkah and the kids and all that, right? Nothing personal. Well, they're not coming up with any answer when it's supposed to in the title. That's why you come to Ornava. And That's why people come to Nava because we answer the questions that you need to know how to answer. Anyway, thank you very much. Next week, we'll talk about Russ. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.